Well, happy Resurrection Sunday to my natural family and Legacy City Church family. And uh, it's just good to be together. Um, yeah, no matter what the Sunday looks like, you know, my heartbeat is to press into Jesus. Even if it's just Tammy and I here by ourselves. We did that actually last night or the night, a couple, couple nights ago. We just came in and we prayed. We prayed over this building, over those that we know God wants to, to join in with us and uh, prayed for you guys. We prayed for life and health. We asked the Holy Spirit just to, just to breathe a fresh breath of healing into your bodies, into our bodies. <clears throat> There's so much fear these days of, oh, don't you dare to cough a little bit because someone will think you have the COVID. I think you got the Rona. But, yeah, I, I have a feeling that a lot of it is just the typical allergies and typical cold season. But, you know, you can go ahead and get tested, right? Find out what they tell you. What was that, Tal? They wanted to take you off to a camp somewhere. And free meals. Nice, three hot, three squares a day. I don't know what that camp would look like. You know, once you go in, there's no coming back out. You know, they lock the door behind you. And if you try to escape, they put you in a straitjacket. <clears throat> oh, just so I know where I'm at. See, I'm trying to work with technology here so that so that I don't have to ask someone to sit at the back table and and do PowerPoint stuff. So far, this is working out okay. So we opened up with Ephesians 1. You know, it was Paul's prayer for the church that they would, that God would open the eyes of their heart. You know, and we know it's not your actual beating heart in your chest. Because I don't think the last time a doctor opened up a heart, I don't think they found eyeballs looking at them. That'd be kind of freaky. Um, I think it would be a good sci-fi movie, you know. Just cut open the, anyway, crack the chest open, there's eyeballs looking. Well, we prayed that God would open the eyes of our heart, right? So it's the eyes of your spirit. You know, the, the, the human being that you are on the inside. So the day that your body dies, you drop off this tent. There's actually a spirit man, a spirit woman living inside of this tent right now. And that spirit person inside of you, when you receive Jesus, becomes reborn. It goes from a dead spirit, dead to God, dead to life, just waiting for your physical body to die, and then you go on to the second death. Or when you receive Jesus, you enter into spiritual rebirth. Holy Spirit comes into your spirit and becomes one with your spirit, and you become a new creation in Christ. It's pretty wild. It's like when a husband and a wife come together and the husband provides the sperm and the wife provides the egg. Yes, we're talking biology now. Ethan's like, what? <laughs> Bam, one of those little tadpoles gets in and there you have a brand new life. The spirit of God is referenced in the, in the scriptures. You have received not an imperishable seed. Uh, you have not received a perishable seed, but you have received the imperishable seed. And that word in the Greek is the same word. Sperma. You have received the imperishable seed of God 
into your spirit. So Holy Spirit has come into your spirit like a seed, like a life-giving force, creating a new person. So when you get saved, you're not the same person anymore. You are a new creation in Christ. This is the joy of the resurrection that we celebrate. When Jesus rose from the dead, he proved by his resurrection from the dead that he is the son of God and that his death was not just an ordinary man dying on a cross. There were two others that died on each one on each side of him. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jesus proved that he was the son of God by his resurrection from the dead. Death no longer has mastery over him. He is alive forever. When he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven. And right now in heaven, there is a man, a God-man, sitting at the right hand of the Father. The same Jesus, this God-man, existed before he became a human. He existed at the Father's right hand as the Son of God forever. But he chose to come to earth in the form of a human baby, take on human flesh, and now he forever is wearing that body. And you will recognize him one day when you stand face to face with him because he is the one who, who bears the nail scars in his hands. He is the lamb that John saw in the, in the book of Revelation, the lamb that looked as though it had been slain. So let's just take a look at what Jesus did for us. You guys doing good? We, oh, if you are concerned, just tap me on the shoulder. So we'll, we'll roll through some of this. This is some good scriptures, guys. This is going to be a little bit of a, a Bible feast, if you guys are cool with that. Are you good with Bible feasting tonight? Okay, so here we go. <clears throat> this is continuing after Paul prayed that prayer that the eyes of our hearts would be opened. If I could go back, I would, but I can't at this point because I haven't figured that out on this iPad. How to backwards. But the eyes of our hearts would be opened to the reality of the power of God's spirit in us. And he said it's the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead who lives within us. He said that he prayed that the eyes of our hearts would be opened to that reality, the power of the spirit in you. And before he asked, asked for that, he prayed that you would have revelation, that you would receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that you would know this inheritance that we have in the saints. So there's an inheritance, the will the new covenant, the will that we just took the bread and blood remembering how it was ushered in, the will of God, the, the covenant that Jesus made with us is an inheritance that is full of spiritual wealth. Like all of the spiritual treasures in the heavenly realm are made available to us through that will, through the, the executed will of Jesus' death on the cross. And it's been proven and official by his resurrection from the dead. So Paul continues in Hebrews, excuse me, Ephesians chapter two, and his fullness fills you. If you want the filling of the Holy Spirit, it is yours. Go after it. I have gone after it. And I heard the Lord, told, he told me last night, Tammy and I were driving and, and he told me in the car, I don't want you to go to another man to receive it through the impartation of laying on of hands. That's good. I've done that lots of times. Bill Johnson, Randy Clark, other leaders have 
done their laying hands impartation. And, but I know that there's more, and I didn't get the more that I'm hungry for. And I felt like he told me, I want you to get it for me. I want you to come to the source. So I am going to go to him on my own. I'm going to dig my own well. And I encourage you to dig your own well to drink from. Create a relationship and a habitation between you and the Holy Spirit, between you and the Father, between you and King Jesus. Create a holy habitation where you can meet with him and go to him and be filled. So his fullness fills you. Even though you were once like corpses, look around in the earth. There are corpses walking, the living dead. Is that the name of the movie, the show? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Dead in your sins and offenses. It wasn't that long ago that you lived in the religion, customs, and values of this world, obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. It's obvious. I'm not even going to go into it. You guys know, those that do not know God, who are bent on the sinful nature, ruling and reigning, it's, they're diligent. They're diligent at it. They, they love the flesh. And that was me at one time. That was you at one time. The corruption that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and desires of our self-life. We lived by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds dictated. Living as rebellious children, subject to God's wrath, like everyone else. But God still loved us with such great love. See, that's the thing. He doesn't want humans to stay trapped in sin and trapped in the dominion of darkness and under the power and control of the devil. He came to redeem us. So, but God still loved us with such a great love. He's so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. So part of your inheritance in the new covenant is that through your union with Jesus, when you say, Jesus, I want my life to be yours. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. I want you, and I don't know how I'll change, but I need you to come in. That cry of your heart is surrendering to him. And he comes in and he unites his Holy Spirit with your spirit. And you are born anew. You receive this new creation birth on the inside. You're a new creation in Christ. And not only are you a new person living in that same physical shell that you were living in before, but your spirit person is now united to the very life of Christ. And because Jesus rose from the dead, you have been raised with him. Because now your life is hidden in Christ. Your life in God's perspective and supernaturally, I don't know how he does it through transcending 2,000 years ago to the day today, but at this very moment when you say yes to him, your life is joined into what happened on the cross. 
and you are risen with Christ from the dead. And not only risen from him, with him from the dead, but now you are co-seated with him in the heavenly realms. That is one of our truths that we like to hold high as a church, that you are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. You are actually wearing a crown next to King Jesus because you are a son or a daughter of God and you've received a royal identity. It's pretty awesome. So that's just part of the inheritance that we have. So we've been translated from death unto life. His spirit has united us to Christ and seats us with him in the heavenly realm. <clears throat> so we're going to look at Colossians 2. We only got two more passages to look at, and then we're going to pray and wrap things up. So Colossians chapter 2, 11 through 14. <clears throat> through our union with him, so again, we're focusing on your union with Christ when you say yes to him. Through our union with him, we have experienced... Here's one of those biological words again. Physiology, I don't know if it's phys physiological, biological. Yeah, anyway. Textbook word. We have experienced circumcision of the heart. All of the guilt and power of sin has been cut away. You and I need to know this. Like you need to know that when you receive Christ and you are united with him, Something has been cut off. Something has been cut away from you. Your sin and your guilt, the power of sin and guilt has been cut away. It's been removed from you. It, does not, it is not fitting for you and me as children of God to wear shame and to wear sin. It just doesn't belong on us. Instead of shame, he has a double portion of his goodness and glory for you. There's a place for conviction of sin, you know, when we're going in the wrong direction. Sons and daughters of God are led by the Spirit of God. So as we're being led by the Spirit, if we're going to go in the wrong way and do something that we know we shouldn't do, <clears throat> we want to follow his voice and, and stay in line and in step with where he wants us to go. But if we disobey... We feel that conviction, and there is that momentary guilt. But that is not what God wants us to live in. No, he wants to pull us up out of that, set us back on our feet so that we walk with him. Without shame, without guilt, nothing between us. Just like in the Garden of Eden before the fall. Nothing between us. You can be standing naked before the creator of the universe, and there's nothing that you're embarrassed about. No shame inside of you. All of the guilt and power of sin has been cut away and is now extinct because of what Christ, the anointed one, has accomplished for us. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know about you. I'm just going to thank him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for taking away my sin and the power of sin. Thank you, Lord. For we've been buried with him into his death. Our baptism into death also means we were raised with him when we believed in God's resurrection power. The power that raised him from death's realm. How many of us, how many of you in the room have been baptized? Water baptism. A couple of us haven't been water baptized. I know about my family. 
I think it might be fitting for us to get a baptismal in this place, in this room. And we can do it. We can get a, a little tub of some sort, make it nice and warm. We're not into cold river baptisms. You know, we won't go out into <clears throat> Puget Sound where there's barnacles on the rocks and salt water and kind of oil film on top. Now, that's not the baptism us Northwestern people want to do. We want to be in a nice warm building with lots of towels ready. And, you know, we want to be discreet and composed and dunk you and hold you down until the sinful nature's gone. Raise you up from the dead. You know, that's what a baptismal tank is. It's a, it's a grave. It represents a grave. It represents you being united with Jesus in his death and raised up in your new life in Christ. And there is power in the, in the obedient step of baptism. Taking the step into the waters of baptism is a step of obedience. Jesus said that we are to believe and be baptized and we will be saved. Now he said in the next breath, those who do not believed, believed those who do not believe will not be saved. So he didn't say those who do not believe and are not baptized. We don't believe that baptism is a requirement of your salvation, but it is a requirement of obedience because Jesus said to do it. So we're buried with him in death. Our baptism, when you get baptized in water someday, means that your baptism into death when you do a water baptism also means that you're raised with him when you believe in God's resurrection power. Next verse. This realm of death describes our former state. For we were held in sin's grasp, but now we have been resurrected out of that realm of death, never to return. For we are forever alive and forgiven of all our sins. That's good news. You don't have to worry about losing your salvation. Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. But he loves you so much that if you start going in the wrong direction, he's going to come after you. He's going to run after you down that prodigal road, and he's going to call you to come back to him. There is a point of going where you no longer respond to the voice of God, and that is between you as a human and God. But as far as we know, he doesn't want anyone to perish He wants everyone to come to repentance. He wants those who have received Christ to not stray far away, but to return to his his side and walk in closeness with him because that is actually where safety and provision and blessing is at. We come under the umbrella of his blessing. So this is the last part of the second to the last passage. This is good news, guys. He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record. When Jesus died on the cross, does anyone know what his last words on the cross were? It is finished. The Greek word is tetelestai. Tetelestai. You can look it up in a Greek blueletterbible.org and check it out. But it's in Greek. And it comes from this word that they would use that meant debt paid in full or forgiven or it is done. And there's an actual Hebrew equivalent to the word that means bride. Bride. So Jesus is, that's powerful. Jesus' last words on the cross, basically he was saying, 
the price has been paid in full. The debt is paid to Telestai, bride. He was like, come to me, my, my bride. I've taken away your sin. I've taken away your shame. There's nothing to keep you back from me now. The veil in the temple has been torn from top to bottom. It is finished. Now you have free and fresh access to come to him anytime, all the time. He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased it all. Our sins, our stained soul, he deleted it all. And they cannot be retrieved. When God forgives your sins, the Bible tells us that he throws your sins in a sea of forgetfulness. As far as the east is from the west, that is how far he has removed your transgressions from you. He, you cannot find them. And if you go looking for it, you're going to have to dig forever. Because as far as he's concerned, it's gone. It's paid for. It's buried. It's under the blood. That's good news. So if you feel like you're haunted about things you did in the past, it is under the blood. I declare the blood of Jesus has covered all of your sins. There is nothing that is there to stand between you and God. The righteous blood of Christ, the precious Lamb of God, has been slain, and he has removed your transgressions from you. He has canceled your debt. He has erased it all, deleted it all, and it cannot be retrieved. I'm not mad, just my voice is sounding cracky. <clears throat> cracky. Everything we once were in Adam, in Adam, you see, when Adam and Eve sinned, when Adam took the bite of the fruit, we were in Adam. Does that, do I need to go into describing what that means? You were in Adam. Just like there was a time where my children were in me, I was in my father. My dad was in his father. You can trace it all the way back to Adam. So when the first Adam and the woman that was removed from his side and formed out of his side, Eve, became human, human beings, we were inside of Adam when he disobeyed God. And because of that, we all come under the curse of the fall. But Jesus Christ is the second Adam, the Bible tells us. And it's when we die to our old self, the old person that was from the old Adam, and we are born again into the new Adam, into Jesus Christ, we now are inheritors of what he has done for us. He has made the way for us to be free from all of that stuff. And none of the past can be retrieved. Everything we were in Adam has been placed upon his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. You want to talk about cancel culture? This is going to be the new cancel culture. Let's just own it for ourselves. I think we could probably take that and put it out there and maybe shift something, just like fake news used to belong to one side. And Anyway, cancellation. He has canceled your sin debt. Amen. Yes, sister. <laughs> My bride. Okay, last scripture. You guys ready for this? Are you okay? You can go get a coffee if you want. We'll keep on going. 
I felt like after looking at these scriptures that there should be a, a scriptural response. So, okay, my old self is gone. God doesn't hold my sin against me anymore. I'm a new person in Christ. Because of the resurrection that we celebrate today, this Sunday, Easter Sunday, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed because of that. So what do I do? How do I live then? What does God ask me to do? How do I function tomorrow? How do I function this evening when I get home? How do I deal with my coworkers, my siblings, my wife, <laughs> my neighbor, my kids, yes. How do I deal with the people that God has placed next to me, my sphere? Well, let's take a look. This is from Romans chapter 6, and we're going to finish off with these, this passage. This is going to be probably the most Bible I'm going to cram in on one Sunday, but it's good stuff. I love the Bible. I got saved into a cessationist church. They didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. They just believed in the Bible only. Bible, Bible, Bible. They gave me the Bible for my baptism gift, and they gave me the scripture to memorize, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I needed the word, and that was my foundation. I'm thankful forever for that. We need the word of God. You need to take this book and not just the online version of it. You need to just tear it up, highlight the heck out of it, memorize, meditate, chew on it, get the word of God in you. His word, I'm, this is a side preach, his word is a lamp unto your feet. It is a light unto your path. The psalmist David said, I have hidden your word in my heart. Man, why does that mess me up? I have hidden your word in my heart so that I won't sin against you. The more you hide his word in your heart, you, you pull on the scriptures and you, you tuck it, you feed on it. You let it become your bread and your wine or your Cheerios and milk, whatever. You let it become food for your soul. You feed on the word of God. And I would say even get up early and let it be the first thing you do. Sheep eat in the morning, okay? I know what it's, happens when we eat at night. Over the years, we get plumper and plumper fattened up for the slaughter. Oh, it's okay to eat at night, read the Bible at night. In fact, be like some of those guys do morning, noon, and night. But I would encourage you to get with the Lord. Start your day out with his word. His word is a lamp. It's a light. It'll cast perspective on the day ahead of you. Okay, Romans 6. It's going to be Romans 6, 1 through 14. 14 whole verses. Oh my goodness. What are we going to do? That's a lot of Bible. So what do we do then? Do we persist in sin so that God's kindness and grace will increase because where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more, previous chapter. What a terrible thought. We have died to sin once and for all as a dead man passes away from this life. So how could we live under sin's rule a moment longer? Holy pause for a second. Or have you forgotten that all of us who were immersed into union with Jesus, the anointed one, were immersed into union with his death? The cross before me. We need to keep the work of the cross before us because that is where our life begins you have been immersed into Jesus' death on the cross. And you are to deny yourself, Jesus said. Pick up your own cross 
and follow him. Sharing in his death by our baptism means we were co-buried with him so that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were raised with him. We have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. Say freshness. Freshness. That's a good word. It just sounds good. Fresh. Fuego. Right? Fuego. Oh, fresco. <laughs> See, I learned two words that I tried to remember when we went to the Dominican that I knew I could pray when I just say, fuego, fresco. <laughs> Fresh fire, yeah. I think they received it. He wants you and me to be able to walk in freshness of life. This is the Passion Translation, by the way. Love how this kind of unfolds it a little bit more nuanced with words that are very descriptive. Co-buried, co-resurrected, empowered to walk in freshness of new life. Here we go. For since we are permanently grafted into him, you have been permanently grafted into Christ upon receiving Jesus as Lord. To experience, to experience a death like his, then we are permanently grafted into him to experience a resurrection like his and the new life that it imparts. There's two parts. If you want the new life, you have to experience death like his so that you can experience a resurrection life like his. There's a dying and then a, re a releasing or an impartation of life. The more you die to yourself, the more of his life he wants to impart to you. And it's when we become what they call carnal Christians. Carnal. Ooh, that's carnal. It's like you're a fleshly Christian. You claim to be a Christian. You claim Jesus is Lord, but you're out there living like the devil. I've done it. I've been there. I don't, didn't want to stay there, but I've been, you know, walking in the shoes of the dead man. <clears throat> the man that Scott was dead and buried. Sometimes dug up the corpse. Put my arm around him. Let's go party for a day do whatever music I want to listen to, you know, whatever. Not that music is sin, but I'm just saying, you know, for me, it was not a good season to listen to Black Sabbath when I'm a born-again believer. Just saying, I don't know what music you got on your iPod, but it doesn't work for me. It does not impart new life to me. It actually brings death. <clears throat> so continuing, could it be any clearer that our former identity, that dead man, is now and forever deprived of its power. It's dead. There's no power left in that body. For we were co-crucified with Jesus, with him, to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us. You were co-crucified with Christ. When he was on the cross, you were there with him. When you say yes to Jesus and your life is united to his in the Holy Spirit, you are taken back to that time on the cross or the time on the cross is bringing, brought to today. I don't know how it works, but it happens somehow. You were co-crucified with him and his, his purpose now is to dismantle the stronghold of sin within you. He wants to take you from glory to glory to glory so that 
the pile of sin in your life is just like trailing farther and farther behind. It's kind of like when you take all that crap to the dump, and you unload your truck at the dump site, and you go back and you're just like, just hit the pedal to the metal. Let's leave all that stuff behind. Forget about it, except for that computer that had all my kids' photos on it. Anyway, I can't go back and get it now. I pray that I'm wrong, but I think I'm right. Sorry to bring that up, Tammy. Anyway, but hey, how many of us go back into those old photo albums and actually look at the pictures? No, we lug them around for decades in boxes, and then when we're 90 years old, our grandchildren are like, what's that? And I'm like, oh, I don't know who that person is. Let's take a look. There's hundreds of people. You don't even remember who they are. So I'm just, whatever. Jesus didn't have a photo album. But, if he, but he does have a wallet, and in his wallet is a picture of you. He likes to show it to the angels. He likes to say, this one, this is one of my favorites. And then this one's one of my favorites. And every one of them are my favorites. That's how he is. That's how he loves. Okay, dismantle the stronghold of sin within us so that we would not continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. Does that mean you'll never sin again? I don't know. What do you have faith for? Do you have faith for walking in this truth or do you have faith, more faith in the fact that you're just a sinner saved by grace? Where's your faith? When you begin to have faith in the identity that he says you are, that you're actually co-crucified with Christ, that the old person has been, I was going to say dismembered, <laughs> the old dismantled, this, this, the power of sin and the stronghold of sin has been dismantled, like taken apart. The, the power plug has been unplugged. He's been dismembered and buried. <laughs> I kind of like that picture. I should do my own version of the Bible. <laughs> if you believe what the Bible says about who you are and what God has done for you, your faith will be in the truth, not in what you might be currently experiencing on the earth. Obviously... A dead person is incapable of sinning, right? They're dead. They're buried. You can dig them up. I'm sure they're still there, rotting away. They can't sin. Once you die, you can't sin anymore. <clears throat> so, if we were co-crucified with the anointed one, we know that we will also share in the fullness of his life. And we know that since the anointed one has been raised from the dead to die no more, his resurrection life has vanquished death and its power over him is finished. We'll speed things up here and not comment on every line. For by his sacrifice, he died to sin's power once and for all. But now he lives continuously for the Father's pleasure. So let it be the same with you and me. The cross has happened. You've already been crucified with Christ. You no longer live. The dead man is gone. You're a new creation in Jesus. So let's do the same thing that Jesus does. Let's live continuously for the Father's pleasure. Learn to call him Papa, Dad, Father. We talked about that last week. Since you are now joined with him, you must continually view yourselves as dead. Continually view yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal. 
if you're struggling with sin, look in the mirror in the morning and say, I am not a slave to sin. The old man is dead. I am a new creation in Christ. Sin has no power over me. And tell yourself in the mirror, sin has no power over you. You have resurrection life flowing through your veins. You are a son of God. You are a child of God. And your purpose and pursuit in life is to bring pleasure to the heart of the Father and bring glory to the name of Jesus, not dishonor. Did I read that whole thing? Continually view yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal while living daily for God's pleasure in union with Jesus, the anointed one. Sin, this is pretty cool. It's a good picture. We need to paint this, somebody who's an artist. Sin is a dethroned monarch. A monarch, just a king. So you could take whatever that king called sin looks like. He's been dethroned. He's been kicked off the throne. I want to kick this over. He's been kicked off the throne. Jesus, through his death on the cross, has dismantled and disarmed the power of the enemy. Sin is now a dethroned monarch. So you must no longer give it an opportunity to rule over your life. Who's your king? Who's my king? Is sin my king? The pleasures of the flesh my king? Or is Jesus my king? I want to follow under the rulership, under the, the kingship, under the dominion of King Jesus. So you must no longer give it an opportunity to rule over your life, controlling how you live, compelling you to obey its desires and cravings. So then, refuse to answer its call. Don't pick up the phone. When sin starts calling, when the devil's knocking at your door, don't open the door. Shut the door and keep out the devil, right? Keep the devil in the night, something like that. Yeah, you guys know those songs. Refuse to answer the call to surrender your body as a tool. Don't be a tool for wickedness. That was supposed to be funny. Some of you were supposed to laugh. Anyway, okay, move on. Someone, Tammy's old hairdresser, called her mailman a tool. I don't know what that meant. He must have been a tool for being a jerk or something. Something like that. Okay, this is the final scripture. Instead of being a tool for the devil, instead, passionately answer God's call to keep yielding your body to him as one who has now experienced resurrection life. You live now for his pleasure, ready to be used for his noble purpose. Remember this, sin will not conquer you, for God already has. Sin will not conquer you, for God already has. You are not governed by law, but you are governed by the reign of the grace of God. So let's stand up. We're going to close in prayer. And then if anyone wants prayer for any healing or breakthrough, or maybe, perhaps, you're a younger person and you were like, well, you know, I think I do need to make it official between Jesus and me and say yes to him and surrender my life. You don't have to do that here in this building. You can do it with your parent or you could do it here or you could do it on your own. But the one thing that the Bible does tell us to do is if we have come to faith in Christ, that we are to confess him as Lord.
It doesn't do any good to keep it a secret. You don't want to be a secret Christian, a closet Christian. We need to come out of the closet, confess Jesus as our Lord. Put the bumper sticker on your car. That's what I used to do. <laughs> Stick a fish on the back bumper. No. That's probably a bad thing because then you start breaking the law by speeding, pulling up next to someone when you shouldn't be on the road and wanting to rev your engine. And then the people behind you are like, they got a fish on their stick. Stupid Christians. Look how bad they drive. Or they go slow on the left lane and they got a fish on the car. I'm like, take that fish off. I'm going to do it for you. <clears throat> okay. It's time to come out. Confess him as your Lord. You want to pray? Okay. Well, okay, Father, we just, we thank you that this is Easter Sunday. We thank you that all around the world, this message of you being raised from the dead, the Spirit of God rose Jesus Christ from the dead, that that message is ringing throughout the earth, that it's been going on for the last 24 hours all around the world. We thank you, Jesus, that the message of your cross, your burial, your resurrection is ringing throughout the earth today. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and you would pour out your glory, that you would pour out your spirit on the earth, on all flesh, on all of us, all of your sons and daughters, those that don't know you yet, that you would pour out your spirit on all flesh that there would be a holy drawing of the hearts of men and women back to you. We thank you, Lord, that you are slow to anger. You are abounding in love. You are gracious and merciful and compassionate. You really are a good, good father. You don't treat us as our sins deserve, but you remove our sins from us. You brush us off and you take away our filth as far as the east is from the west. That's how far you remove our transgressions from us. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that we can come and stand before your throne right now with perfect righteousness clothing us. And we receive that tonight, Lord. We receive the righteousness of Christ that is by faith. We receive it by believing and thanking you for what you have provided we take it for ourselves. I take it for myself. I clothe myself in you, King Jesus. I run deep into who you are. I want to hide my life deep inside of you, Lord Jesus Christ. I want my life to be tucked away. I want to find my safety, my dwelling place under the shadow of your wing. I want to hide myself there. As the storms rage around us, Lord, as the storms of life come and go, as the things that are, that are brought to our face that we have to face off, we stand firm on the rock of King Jesus and we stand safe under the shadow of your wing, under your protection. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that you are alive and that you live in us. Release your life tonight over every one of us. We just say, kingdom of God, come now. Holy Spirit, come now. Thank you, Lord. Amen.